0: hello my beautiful lady creators and welcome back to our podcast today i am interviewing Brynja magnuson and she is an amazing illustrator creator author she has her art is out of this world amazing i cannot wait for you to dive into today's episode because we touch on so many juicy topics that are going to blow your mind in the most expanded and deeply feminine ways. So I will post all things Brinya below the podcast episodes. You can go and find her, follow her, you know, get immersed in her world, learn about human design, learn about animal totems and the I Ching, and just so much more. Her her focus is just in this wealth of information around energetic, spirituality, mysticism, and I love how she integrates in her own animal wisdom. So without further ado, again, I'm your host, Tara Kinden, Brynja Magnuson, everyone. Okay, everyone, without further ado, let me introduce you to Brynja. Do you want to just say a couple of words about the beautiful work you're here to do in the world and introduce you to this audience. Sure, Thank you. Um, Hi, I'm Brynja. I am an artist and a
1: writer. I work with um, pretty much any mystical, spiritual, or esoteric system that I'm personally studying. And I bring my notes on those topics into books or card decks so that other people can study them. So I've worked on books about the I Ching, or Animal Totem Divination, or Human Design, the Incarnation Cross in Human Design, and then most recently, the mysticism. So I, yeah, I kind of, I think of myself as a student that kind of uses creative license to bring other students along with me Mm -hmm. on the journey to continuing to find these kind of niche systems that don't have a lot of support in learning them, especially through a visual or kinesthetic way. So that's the path right now. And it just continues on where I continue trying to learn new things and then also bring new content
0: out into the world. Mm, I love that. And so just how I met uh, Brinya was through a, I, I hired her to do an incarnation cross reading for me. I think, you know, as a practitioner, it's so lovely to have readings. Like even if you think you know everything about yourself in your chart, I can assure you, you don't. And it makes it really fun to be in conversation and getting viewpoints. Like some of the things that she brought up for me, and I know this is not her only work, but it was just, it was so beautiful. And so it was the subtleties that really spoke so deeply to my soul that I was like, oh, wow, I never, I never felt that before. And it was the way she would explain bringing in the animal totems. To Gates, that was something so powerful and new that it made me want to revisit the I Ching and you know amalgamate some of like you say these niche systems. I love that because they really are so unique and different. But the way you bring things together, I think, is such a lovely gift. And you know, I will say, like, check out her books. We'll we'll post everything you know where you can find her and all that below. But the way she speaks to these languages is really different. And we were like, you know, I I love to look at people's charts, as you all know. So when I pulled her chart and I was like, she has an out of bounds Mars and it's out of bounds in Cancer and her Venus is in Aries. So that's not like, you know, funny because they're kind of switching places Like Mm -hmm. where Mars is way more happy in Aries and Venus. Well, she's more, more subtle, nurturing, intuitive, and, you know, not aggressive in Cancer, right? So it's interesting because I, we looked and it's in your 12th house. So we kind of just, they've like swapped places and there's this something about you where you're reprogramming, you know, I, I think the way the world or yourself first, but then the world looks at the masculine and feminine. it was really like, you know, exciting for me to see it on the chart. Yeah, yeah.
1: And this is, this has been my most recent area of obsession looking at polarities, particularly yin-yang polarities um, and how we kind of have forgotten how to understand the yin side of a polarity and when you write a book about something, um, you are living the topic as you write it. You have kind of And no you topics.
0: literally are.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so you know, so whatever it is you choose to write about, you have to be prepared that as you go into that journey, you're gonna be experiencing it. And the last book that I just wrote was about yin. It was all about yin. And that That's really freaked me out going those, in.
0: For those who don't really know what yin means, can you just explain your take on what yin is sure
1: sure and and a, a little disclosure is um my the way i was looking at yin is a little less it's a little outside the clinical nature used in traditional chinese medicine um, but still relevant um yin is as the counterpart to yang this dual female male uh, pair that uh you can find in the context of all things um but yin is this kind of very mystical side, unknown and obscured and opposite and counterintuitive side of the pair that has been systematically eradicated from our value systems Mm. in every single category you could think of. It's just not valued. And so when we change the perspective and we think of yin, this feminine, unmoving, dark, obscure, confusing, chaotic, uh, really the unknown. Um, When we think of all of these aspects of yin in our lives, like winter, like depressions, like stillness, like nothing happening, um, like rest, like all of these categories, um, what kind of emerged out of this book was that every phase of your life where you're going through something yin unmoving, still, dark, unknown, obscure, chaotic, or separating even, Um, there is a value, there's like this hidden mystical value in every yin topic that we go through. But because the nature of yin is inherently obscured, unless it's taught to you what you're getting out of the yin phase, you won't be able to see it while you're in it. And Mm -hmm. so here comes this kind of misunderstanding that yin is not valuable, and it's not helpful, and we want to avoid it. Oh, it's scary. Yeah, but in actuality, it's the root of everything that happens. It's the root of all movement and all change. And if mm-hmm. you see it that way, then you can start working in this really mystical way with your life, where you use the yin periods to seed everything else that you want to happen in your life. And I think it was, uh, I think it was Lao Tzu, but you know these these ancient masters who had said, if you want to be a master. You have to know when to use yin and when to use yang. And if you know when to appropriately use both of those um, you know concepts in the right timing, you will know exactly when to um, take the right actions and you can seed whatever you want into your life. But how can we use yin well if we consider it bad and something to be avoided and we don't mm-hmm. understand right. um, you know, what we can get out of it? So it's a really obscure topic. And when I ventured into the topic of writing about it, I was a bit terrified because I knew that the process of writing about it was going to be unknown and it was going to be counterintuitive and it was going to be slow and there might be themes of chaos uh, and separation uh, and grief while I was writing it. And all of those themes came up. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was like a huge lesson as I was writing the book. And in a way, um, actually, every book that I've written has been kind of writing to myself because I'm just trying to figure it out as I'm writing it. And then I figure, you know, by the time I finish writing the book, I figured it out for myself and I can publish it and then send it out into the world for anybody else who's looking for similar information.
0: Yes. And like, what's so beautiful about this conversation is just that there is like a chaos magic. And this is where ritual comes in, because, you know, we are all trying to find our way in the dark many times during our lives And we want to escape these times because they are very scary because we don't know why. Why is this happening? Why, how do I navigate this? And there is no map. This is where you must go it alone because that's, you know, this deep, mysterious, velvety, dark space where... You know, the most beautiful creations come from you. Think about when you are, you know, seeding a pregnancy, like how that just figures it out itself. You don't have to do anything once the act is complete, it's like, does it itself. So, yeah, I think this is such a beautiful topic. And obviously, you bring such a wonderful flair to it. And it even just makes me look at your chart to be like, again, that. You know, cancer energy is the great mother, the great mother birthing this beautiful thing. So let's talk about your creative process and how you've found a new way for yourself to create in amongst the seasons and the chaos potentially. Yeah, I was mentioning
1: that before we got on. Um, I... Yeah, I I've figured out at least in the last four years uh, since I really started doing this creative um, output journey, uh, how to work with the seasons to get a really abundant creative cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it used to be that, uh, you know, I live in New York, uh, a little bit upstate. It used to be that I really dreaded winter. And winter was just kind of like a time of seasonal depression and, uh, you know, just kind of to trudge through it. Uh, And then slowly, uh, I managed to create this um, relationship with the seasons where, uh, almost like a subsistence farmer, where you are doing the same actions that a farmer would, in a way, to seed the cycle that you want to eventually harvest on a yearly basis, every single year. Um, And this was kind of drawn both from um, the Shiatsu Five Element Cycle and also from a little bit from I Ching Wisdom. And the way those systems work is that through the five seasons, where in, in that system there's five seasons, so there's that little extra season between um, mm-hmm. high summer and like a true autumn. So there's a harvest season in between, which is what we're actually in right now. We're in September, so we're in the harvest season now.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, this feels like a fresh season always for me
1: yeah i always think of this as like this is the beginning or end you know of the whole year and that is actually it's hmm? the pinnacle i feel like it's the pinnacle yeah it is absolutely yeah um in in uh, chinese um the word for harvest actually means the word year i think this is what i've read at least uh that this this is kind of like the end of the year where we kind of see if the five seasons leading up to this point have been appropriately used, utilized, mm. and then we see, did did, it, did I do a good enough job in my previous seasons that I've created actually like a reproductive cycle where now there is a final output where I can collect on everything that I did for the previous year. And if you get to your fall or your autumn or your harvest season right around now, and there's nothing filling up your cup, from your previous five seasons that lets you know something might have gone wrong during the previous five seasons or where there the was action a, circumventing, of right?
0: a potential circumventing where you pulled yourself out of one of those chaotic moments before it was finished
1: yeah yeah exactly a lot of people like to do this they want to bypass the winter season hmm but the winter season—that's the scene for everything else that's going to happen in your year. So when you skip the winter season and you don't slow down appropriately, you actually um, pull the abundance out of your year. So this was. So this is. I'll give you the rundown of my yearly cycle, and this is how I work with outputting yeah. all of my products. And so usually, every time I make something, I try and make it a one-year process. Um, and so if we start with winter. Winter is the season where you let everything slow down externally. And then all of the party, all of the work it starts happening inside, either inside your body, inside all your right. Did you say
0: all of the party? Yeah. I like that. Okay. Go yeah. on.
1: Because the the it's just the polarity switches. So mm-hmm. instead of having an external summer, your the summer moves kind of in, inside and so the mm-hmm. fires are lit inside the body, inside oh my the gosh. home. Yes. And so it's very important in winter that you actually really stoke yourself with creativity and joy and work and projects that's going to keep you occupied for the entire winter. And so there's a lot of action going on. It's just happening internally. And so every single year I'm praying to God, to whatever creative spirits work with me, please send me some work to do Mm -hmm. this winter because... I need it to keep me warm. I need it like my firewood. I need something so that I can be inside all for a whole season, not going out, not doing anything, but just being focused on on what I need to make or dream. It's a dreaming season. So your your winter is your dreaming season, which takes a lot of courage because as you are dreaming, you are addressing things that didn't have the space to come out for the whole rest of the year because there was too much action.
0: Mm.
1: The more things slow down, the more uh, subtle, subtlety can speak to you. And yeah. subtlety sometimes doesn't have the most pleasant message. Sometimes it tells you that something's really wrong.
0: One hundred percent.
1: So yeah. it's both. It's you have to do inner emotional work during this period, and you have to do creative work. So the mm-hmm. winter is really this inner creation process. And so I'm writing, and I'm illustrating, and just being with the creativity. And and also, if you're someone who considers yourself like a conduit of creative energy or you want to work with creative spirits. There's a really great podcast by, um or a TED talk by Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh, yes. That's about working with external creative spirits and how that's actually one of the most healthy ways to work as a artist, to take pressure off yourself.
0: I'll get you to send that to me and we'll link it below. Yeah. Amazing.
1: So, so um, if you think of yourself as working with creative spirits and you're showing up to your work with them, if you really want to listen to them, you have to make it quiet around yourself periodically so that they have their space to come work with you. And actually here mm-hmm. uh, last year, I finished writing the book about yin mysticism and I was writing about winter and I, I recorded the audiobook also in the same winter. And uh, when I got to the part of the book where I was saying you need the quiet of winter so that your creative spirits can come speak to you. My audio did something really bizarre. and cut out and get all, got all um, messed up. Right. And, and I recorded I 26 hours of this audio book. I recorded the entire thing twice. That was the only time something like that
0: happened. Did you mark the time? It would be good to look and see the astrology too. Like what was coming through? I, I, you know, there's these magical moments that are just so powerful. And um, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like so aligned. I also need to mention to you that your Venus star point, there's something really magical with your Venus. We're, we're twin stars. So you're a Gemini Venus star point And, you know, short bits of communication, like using your voice for sharing your message is so critical to your wellness Uh and to your shining. Like it's different from your Venus in your chart. Mm -hmm. Your Venus star point is something that really is your heart-centered work in the world. And it is like where you're meant to be really like sharing your gift, how how you deliver it, you know, in such a way. But yeah, short bits of information and communication And what you're doing is so aligned beautifully with that. So awesome.
1: mm -hmm.
0: Well, that's really, yeah, I'm only just learning astrology now and I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's such a like, you know, I think of when I put it together for myself in my own mind, the astrology was sort of the foundation of a house, like the actual cement foundation. It was immovable. It is what it is. You've got to learn how to work with it where that human design brought another layer of the energetics, like how the furniture is laid out in the home. Like if you keep tripping over the same rug, move the rug, like you can adjust the things. But the Venus star point was sort of that irreplaceable artwork within the home that like you can't replace this magical piece. You you don't need to do anything to it. It just is so beautiful on its own. And the idea is you place it somewhere where it gets to shine, you know, and that's the the foundation of how I love to share the astrology, the human design and the, you know, the Venus star point and bringing those together.
1: Yeah, this past summer of uh, the Venus retrograde in Leo, I think that's like really deepened my um, belief in astrology because every single mark, Mm -hmm. this retrograde like hitting every single stereotypical thing that like was predicted might happen it's just like one after another and it's like so uncanny it's so yeah it's the whole venus thing like it it's very it's rising up right now in my uh like even dressing for my venus sign Mm. and like pursuing things as my venus sign yeah it's working
0: (laughs) you think about like that warrior energy you know that venus and aries it is a trailblazer it is a warrior it wants to make shit happen and it's not afraid to ask for what it wants where you know your mars being in an opposite sign like that cancer is very like and out of bounds <laughs> it wants to kind of do things differently and a little bit weird that's how we work when you have out of bounds planets you're kind of not from this planet and so that's the thing and it's yeah, incorporating to the weird of all of the yeah the various stellium that i have Right. And Aquarius is so detached. Aquarius is like, it's the most detached sign, but it's again, amplifying that communication and like sharing your ideas and, and being, you know, bringing the groups together, but not being concerned about if they like me or not. Like that's the Aquarius thing. Although I think we all suffer with a little bit of like, we don't want people to not like us. That Mm -hmm. wouldn't be cool. Mm -hmm. But there's this reprogramming around that. Now, Getting back to the creative piece, because this is Lady Creators and the idea with this beautiful podcast and bringing wonderful people like you on to the show, it's when you have think back to a time where you weren't allowed to be your full creative expressed self. Was there a moment in your life where you were cut off from your creative flow and process? Yeah, yeah,
1: actually it's, it's quite an interesting story. Um, both my parents are quite artistic and successful in it. So you would think I would have this great foundation of um, being confident to have a successful artistic career. My father is a very successful architect my mother is a very successful illustrator. She worked for Marvel. She was one of the first women working in Marvel, illustrating comic books. Amazing. And so, you know, I knew I was going to be an artist right away like at birth, <clears throat> but, um, you know, society still conditions us. And I I did deeply feel like I want to be successful. I want to be a businesswoman. I want to be a scientist. I want to be a spiritualist. I want to be an artist. How can I possibly be all those things? That
0: mm-hmm. make- yes. um, and
1: my father always told me, you know, you can make $100,000 doing anything, anything mm-hmm. in the world, mm-hmm. any career, if you decide to get really good at it. And yet I was still really, really afraid that that I just didn't see that there was any avenue to have a, a, a wildly, outrageously successful career in art. Um, I couldn't imagine it. Uh, and so when I went to college, I tried to kind of take the success route. I tried to go, you know, get educated in careers that might give me um a more straightforward path into um being respected, being in a respected career where I could climb some kind of ladder. Uh and so for about five years after college, I had ditched the art thing. I really was trying to suppress that. Um and then, which is this is starts to get into a a converging very long story, I, I had this very deeply spiritual experience that said you know you you must now abandon the path whatever you thought you were supposed to be doing before now it's time for you to follow a spiritual path <clears throat> and um sorry excuse me <clears throat> I haven't told this story in a while I guess it's uh,
0: oh I love it <clears throat> <it's hearing. laughs> <clears throat> so <clears throat> so
1: I um I realized that I needed to go apprentice in some kind of shamanic art Uh, And it took a little while and I found a shaman that took me as his apprentice. And I went and I lived with him and his wife for uh, uh, on and off for three years over in France. And this guy was a cross of spirit. And if you're familiar with human design, if you ever feel like your creative energy is plateaued or it's turned off, go spend some time with the cross of spirit. Mm. They are like creative energy jumpstart batteries. That's what they do. Their whole aura just turns on your spirit. It's like they are like just blocking turn on.
0: Everyone's going to be like Googling their families and like, okay, who's across the spirit? Of
1: yeah. course, with cross, you can always find the exact opposite. You'll definitely meet people who are across the spirit who are turned off from their own sensuality. Yeah. But these cross of the spirit people are very, very sensual. And they're very, very connected with creativity and what feels good and the pleasures of life. And so as soon as I started hanging out with this shaman, you know, all of this creative energy started coming out again. Um, but as it goes with many um, of these types of apprenticeship situations, especially when you have a young woman and an older man, there are power dynamics that can be um, a little unhealthy and, um, so I, yeah, after a few years, um, you know, I had, I had really had this kind of, at the same time that my creative energy was coming out, I was feeling very low on the totem pole. I was feeling very like, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not worthy and I'm not good enough. And the, the constant reinforcement that I was getting from this teacher was you don't know enough yet yeah, to spread any information. Uh, and if you want to write anything or publish anything or go out there with anything that you've been studying independently, you have to get my permission and you have to do it in my way. And you probably won't be able to do this until you're much, much older anyways. And I really believed him. Of course. Um, And, uh, but I had also seen that his like really, really incredibly talented wife was also his apprentice. He was telling this to her as well. And she had been apprenticing for like nine years. <laughs> um, so it started to feel a little bit like um, maybe something was a little bit off. And so then I I went to this um, women's initiation down in Mexico and I went to the moon dance. And uh, mm-hmm. when I came back from that, it was like something had just- A improved. different a person. <laughs> like a dam had broken. Yes. Um, and all of a sudden it was like the apprenticeship just closed like a door being shut. Yep. And all of the creative projects that had been waiting to want to come out opened. It was like the same door, like the door oh, that I closed those it. projects, slammed shut that apprenticeship. and then, And then out came this like outpouring of energy. And I wrote my first book in about one month. I illustrated and wrote the whole thing in one month. And it was like the most incredible feeling because I didn't want to do anything but write. It was like eat, sleep, right? I didn't even really want to eat either. And that feeling is like, it's so, I, I
0: seek it. So okay. it doesn't happen that, all the time. Where did you feel? Tell me in your physical body, tell me the sensations that rose up in that experience. Where did you feel? that rising? You know,
1: it's almost like you go into a trance state yeah, where there's something like if there's a motor running and you're just like, it's, it's, you know, I, I want to go into human design terminology a little bit because I'm a generator, yeah. but I've always considered myself the laziest generator in the world because I don't have that kind of turn on that much. But when it does happen, it's like, it, it it's, you know, the word turn on is really the most appropriate word for generators because what happens when you get turned on in your body, even to something non-sexual, really, especially for most generators, it's mostly non-sexual. Um, you Your body is leading. Your mind is being almost dragged behind you and you don't have a choice in what's coming out through you. And recently somebody asked me, what is it like to... Um, you know, when you get the impulse to make art. And I was kind of saying, it's almost like when suddenly you have to have a big stretch and it just kind of like, you don't even think about what your body is doing. And it's like you're transcribing
0: your subconscious. This is where I feel like right now is critical. This is the work, thinking, not thinking, but going back to the moment. Every time you birthed something magical, there is a sequence that fires within the system, and that sequence is the key to your success every freaking time because there is a sequence of feelings and um sensations that happen right before you know it culminates. There's something to this, I really believe. I, I, I have to say, you know, when people say to me like oh you know
1: you you, you're you keep creating and that's great and I I think really the secret was that I went through a couple of years where I felt deeply like I was not allowed to create like I went through the real op it was like really being compressed down and that I don't think I would be able to do any of this at all if I didn't have a moment of bursting out of that and like Mm -hmm. forgive me for the obscenity but kind of being like
0: don't apologize
1: like i really had this kind of feeling of like i was allergic to the sensation Mm. of anybody telling me you are not allowed to have a voice because that's actually a very very common sentiment especially around men
0: yeah not always around men but that's been my listen. i'm a manifester girl that's my life lesson (laughs) um so You know, every time someone would say like, well, you don't know enough. It was like, Mm. oh my God, that makes my brain boil. It actually doesn't (laughs) make my blood boil. It makes my brain boil. Like, I'm just, I, I, I tell you the amount of people who have said to me, you can't do that. Oh, it's too soon. This is a bad idea because, and that I held myself back Mm -hmm. to, to doing these crazy, wild, ambitious, amazing things. I wish I would have been like, fuck you. This is it. I'm going all in. Like, you know, I didn't know I had that kind of power. And I'll I'll also say I had a hundred
1: percent repression on my anger until that experience of the dam breaking and that experience for the first time in my life, I started to feel anger. I had really said like, I just don't have anger. I'm so great. No, I have my, um,
0: Mars in my house. It's just I have to say, yeah, it's <laughs> repressed, but people who, um, you know, I think there's this guru image of like, people are, you know, you should be this way if you're feminine and this is, you shouldn't get angry and you shouldn't feel this and you shouldn't feel that you should be like this all the time. I'm like, I don't know what crack dealer is out there selling that, but it is the worst thing ever. Like there are, you need to feel so much, there's no. a feeling that needs to rise anyways. But so it, it, it just gave me like this rage boner every <laughs> single time someone would
1: say, you're not allowed to do it where I would like, like this anger would come up and me, like, how dare you? Like, how dare you even act like I am not allowed to say something. And that was like, whoa, yeah. like I couldn't believe the amount of protective energy that just wanted to cut people off, like cut them down. a yep. stood in front of me saying, you know, maybe you shouldn't do this. And that I think maybe almost above all else gave me the ability to just move forward fluidly and because the thing that holds people back more than any other thing in creating is the need to be perfect or oh, accommodate what they think other people's gonna think about their work. Yes, And that, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of other people, especially women, who want to create their website, who want to create whatever it is they're putting out there. And it's just like, we can't put it out until it's perfect. Mm. Um, And I really, I wish I could give this mentality of like, really just like flip off. Everybody (laughs) thinks it needs
0: to be perfect. It'll never be perfect. And you'll change it six ways from Sunday. So, you know, version one is better than version none.
1: (laughs) And the other way I think about my creative projects is that they were children that came through me. They are my children. 100%. I often tell people, I have four yes. children. I have four kids and I'm a stay-at-home mom. I take care of them in a, in a way where I'm doing all the work and I'm doing it slowly or and organically in a way that allows my work to thrive. Um, but also if you think of it that way, if you are the mother to your work, then you you have to hold, you have to be a good mother. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. only do you have to support and encourage your work, you have to allow it, the space to be imperfect for a long time. If you have a, a small child or a teenager, like your your parenting books are gonna tell you, your child's gonna be weird for a while and they're gonna misbehave and they're gonna they're make, make mistakes you and weird awkward, for a while. Mm-hmm. And like, you gotta love them anyways. And so <laughs> when I look at my website, I have recreated my website so many times. You know how many errors I have left up on my website for years? And it's okay because I think of my website
0: like a teenager who's going through a phase all the time and it's okay to let it phase. But it's permission too. Like, I think one of the biggest things, you know, creators, people in general struggle with is that I've been in this lane. Like I will say this as a, you know, I think it's people get stuck in a lane. Like I've been in this lane. I do this. I'm known for this. I am nothing but this title, you know, whatever it is. And so going outside of that title is very uncomfortable and very unsettling. And most people won't do it because of the fear of what could happen.
1: I feel like I'm going through that right now. Like I'm, I'm sitting here acting like I know what I'm talking about, but, and that yet still like after a few years of figuring it out, like I can feel my whole, what I've created starting to have this identity shift again. I can feel it coming. It almost feels like you're hitting puberty and you don't know who it's gonna become and you know it has to be a big push to embody like a new version of yourself. I was talking to a friend of mine who's also a you know, a businesswoman, a creator. Um, and she said, there's just so many friends that she's had where suddenly they realize that their brand has outgrown who they are now as a person and they just delete everything that they've created before. And they move on. And I, and I've been really sitting with that because I don't know how I feel about it yet Mm. of, because I don't want to be ashamed of my growth process. You know, if I grow out of the teenagerhood or the babyhood of beginning of my project, if you think I continually think of it as a person and I want to be good to that person and say, you know, I'm still proud of the awkward phases and I still love it. And like this last book that I came out with, I have no idea what it's here to do in this world. I I don't know. I, I keep describing it as like, oh, it's my, it's my uh, third or fourth baby, you know, and it, this one needs extra help. You know, <laughs> I, can, I knew before it was born, it's going to need extra help coming out into the world. It's going to need some like aids or like, you know, extracurriculars to... Mm. Um, bring
0: it into the world it's well. It's an education assistant.
1: Yeah, and but it's my job as its mother to give it the best head start and be proud of it regardless of if I don't understand it, of if I don't even know why I made it. It still mm-hmm. chose me as its mom. And so therefore I will do the best that I can to, to protect it and and give it that push into the world. And then again, also like a child, it's not you anymore. Mm-hmm. It's something It's its own thing. And it's going to do its own work. And you get to just watch it have its own effect and detach a little bit from that. I've also, I read once in a book, this book about a woman who did a shamanic apprenticeship. But she had written a book about her apprenticeship. And when she brought it back to her teachers, they said, you are still linked to this book. Like your umbilical cord is still linked to it. We need to cut it because it's not healthy for you to still have an attachment to it. And once you cut that umbilical cord, then you can have a healthy relationship with your creation and let it go do its own work. It's not really you anymore. And you can't consider your work you because it'll make you sick. It'll come back and make you sick Mm -hmm. if you let that connection remain so closely attached.
0: That is such a great analogy, you know, and the idea of really, I, just interviewed a girl who was talking about how when she uh, brings a new whatever program course book whatever into the world that she lets it have its own identity and asks it you know what do you want to be priced at who do you want to reach and 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 asking it the questions of what does it need and i'm just here to serve the needs of it You know, but I think with this, the little caveat I think of is that, you know, if I'm thinking of it like a child, that you also need to have healthy boundaries with it. You can't just go and give it whatever. Like if you just give it all this sugar, you know, then of course it's going to turn into a little maniac. Like this is where healthy boundaries and, and really setting parameters around like, okay, well, what is too much to give of yourself? I've never thought
1: about that you know, it it makes me, so much. And I've never thought about
0: that. It's the first done. thing I think about, I'm like, listen, don't OD your kid on sugar. It's a really bad idea. I don't care who you are. Oh, I'm going to have to think about that. And, you know, because I have immersed myself so deeply in birthing projects. So for example, like when I wrote, uh, I lived in a van and traveled across the country for 30 days and wrote this book and had these beautiful images of the women. I, I interviewed, you know, 20 women across the country about their stories of courage and, you know, fierce living and all this stuff. And it was such a beautiful experience. It really helped me recircuit uh, my or rewire my own feminine energy. And while I was on that journey, something transformed for me, right? <clears throat> because like I was a 40 year old woman and who had been doing nothing different in my relationship And then all of a sudden, by the end of that trip, by, you know, months after that trip had ended and the book was going to be, everything I needed to do was complete. I got pregnant. Oh, wow. So it's like, you know, and so then I finished up the book portion of all the things I needed to do and was ready to release it in the February. But like I was six months pregnant or whatever, and you know, it was like my mind, everything shifted. So, if I was to give everything to that book that it actually needed from me at that time, I wouldn't have been able to grow this next iteration. Do you know what I mean? Wow. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm going to think about that too. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, you know, there are things that happen. And, like you say, the subtle details are we listening to the th- the things because i had bought this ring while i was on that journey i just found this moonstone ring in this beautiful place on a seaside town in bc somewhere and i just like adored it well when that was in the april may and so in the october my husband and i took a trip in the van and that's like i had lost the stone So the stone that I found when I reprogrammed my feminine energy, the moonstone, moonstone, feminine expression, lost it. It fell out of the ring. Okay. In the October, when we returned from that trip. And then a couple of weeks later, when I started feeling sick, I was like, what's happening? Like, this is weird. Found out I was pregnant, no joke. Went in the van, found the stone. I was like, we did oh. job done. Mm-hmm. I oh. wrote a story, a little story about it because it was so crazy to me at the time. I was like, and this is how easy it can be. <laughs> we I, just- I do think of this sometimes
1: as like, I, I don't want to use the word manifestation, mm-hmm. but if you want something to come into your life, and you want to live it, write about it, create something make art you know make art of it because nothing for me at least like if I if I really want to be experiencing something
0: I make the art I put it out there but it's not the art here's the thing it's the feeling and this is where I'm like go back to the feeling like that rises up within you that bubbling that you know I call it the titillation but it's like whatever it is it is kind of this sexual chemistry but it doesn't need to be sexual do you know what I mean like it's this feeling that you get almost the kundalini rising within you this bubbling serpent energy like that shows up in the physical somewhere but it's birthing the creation and it's almost um calibrating your heart and your frequency do you know what I mean it's like this spiraling up energy that's very quick as soon as you can put yourself into the feeling vibes the creation process is that much more fun that much more exciting and then everything starts to just be like boom you just become this super magnet and you know as a generator when your light is on that lighthouse energy it just
1: Yeah. And that's what I do every year around this time of year
0: is I start praying Mm. for that magnet to turn on.
1: Harvest prayer.
0: I love this idea. Oh my God, this has been so good. Okay. What else do I want to ask you? Because there's so many things. Or not so much. What do I want to ask you from the wave of this conversation? What else do you feel like your heart needs you to share
1: the creative the conversation around creativity um such a juicy one you know that i feel like i can talk about all day because it's it's a challenging journey and i it's one that i've tried to get away from repeatedly um (laughs) me too i hear you (laughs) yeah i've tried to run away from a creative career over and over again um Gosh, you know, and I think also it's something valuable just to say is that, um, like I have a really prof- profound, and prolific creative output from the outside. That's what it looks like from the outside, but on the inside through these seasonal cycles, that means that very regularly I am devoid of energy. I am lazy. I am not doing anything. I cannot create, I cannot make art, nothing's going on, nothing seems to be happening inwardly. And again, with this um, relationship to Yin, knowing that those periods are, that is an important phase of the cycle to make sure that the the prolific side comes out well and to lean into the non not doing. So if you looked at my actual day-to-day life, I am, it looks, outwardly, like I'm doing almost nothing. Like if you were to measure my output in life through a regular lens of someone who gets a lot of work done, I I don't do anything, (laughs) like almost
0: anything. But your Mars is out of bounds. You're not (laughs) supposed to. Like this is the difference. Sorry, go on. I say
1: that because um, this is is the oppositeness of being a creative and, and working in a feminine way. Is that sometimes that very slow or outwardly looking like it's doing nothing uh, work, where you're what you're doing is you're going internally and you're visualizing what you want to happen. You're visualizing, you're you're crafting it internally. So some days actually, the entire day it'll look like I'm just laying on my bedroom floor, like literally doing nothing, and at the end of that day, I'll feel like that was been my most productive day. And I will go to bed like feeling happy because I and, and exhausted and ready to sleep because I have spent the whole day of inwardly aligning myself, getting ready for the plane to take off because the plane can't take off until I've kind of crafted and created within myself what wants to come next. And then the days where it's like, I'm paying my taxes and I'm mm. talking to people and I'm and I'm networking and I'm marketing and like everything seems to be moving. At the end of that day, I feel like I've done nothing today. I outwardly will be judged as being a productive human being. And I actually feel like I've not made any progress. Um, so the, there's this very oppositeness of having a creative cycle. And again, like even right now, this is what I'm going through, where it feels like, you know, nothing's really happening. I'm not creating anything right now. I don't have any projects to work on. I'm praying for something to come my way to work on. I'm seeing that there's some shift in my career coming up and something's going to be a big leap and my work right now is just internally shifting and visualizing and allowing myself to be okay with the change that might come even though i don't know what it is and encouraging my subconscious to start transcribing it through art if she feels ready to do that because often i will make art years in advance to a project i don't even know is coming yet and when that project finally arrives it's like oh i've already created every piece of artwork for this project she knew, like your subconscious knows everything that's going to happen. Oh. And so, yes. and she, she can speak to you through your art. So if you're, if there's art coming out of you and you don't know why it's coming out, it's probably because your subconscious knows. And there's a project down the line in a year or two years that you're going to use that for. And that, you know, it's this like very unsequenced style mm-hmm. of getting things done and that that's perfectly fine. And I, I really I just- encourage it.
0: I just need to share something as well, you know, because I think for you specifically, you have the 1949, right? And for just looking at the specifics, of, and I just look at it from like the energetic place, that, that real attunement to life and cycles and energy within you, within the world, within the people, like that... That, in your Saturn is there unconsciously, okay? So I'm like, Saturn for you sits in the seventh house, which is the other. So regardless, like, it's it's very important to be tuned in and quiet. Like, you don't make a big racket when you're trying to tune in. It's more like subtle. And this is that discipline. The 1949 is, um, it's the... It's a
1: very, very spiritual channel. Like every time I meet someone else who is in 1949, I just like touch <laughs> them because it's a touch-oriented mm. channel. And it's like, mm, like it's very, very connected to nature. The 19 yes. is one of the most potent nature connection gates. And yeah. you know, if you can look behind me, you can see my entire wall is filled up with animal parts um, <laughs> because and being connected with animals is one of my main divination methods. You know, it shows me what I'm doing. It leads the way. Um, nothing really Excuse happens unless so uh, some animals let me know what's going on first. Oh my god. And that but was I what I in the first book about.
0: And I was just thinking though, how important like that piece for you is. Like I've been 19 as well. And I wonder, you know, is it is it really tuned into the creative elements? But I do believe like you need to go in, like your discipline, your authority, the structure, and not authority, authority as human design goes. But Saturn goes, that big boss in the sky that says you must discipline yourself by tuning in in order to catalyze a massive change. And that this is that energy within you. And I think of like, you know, where you have had this Venus retrograde in the first house is a total revelation of your feminine energy, like how you show up in it and the stage it comes out on is your first house. I can't even tell you how profound this this Venus retrograde has been for me as a Leo rising. Everyone, everyone, but more powerfully like individually, like when October rolls around and she's come back, your Chiron sits exactly where that Venus star point hit. So there is a deep healing you know, a transformative healing and she's going to hit it again within weeks. (laughs) She'll hit it again within weeks. And then by October, it's going to be like, oh, that's what it was all for. Like everyone, I think by October is just going to come out of this, like almost like the exorcism and come out with their head, stop spinning and being like, okay, we're going here. (laughs) I almost don't want to come out of this penis retrograde. Um, Oh yeah, you will. Because you'll be so excited. I just think there'll be such an excitement and that feeling will come up again where it's going to be like, okay, let's get down. Let's go do the thing.
1: Yeah. 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 And I'm hoping that comes with a good project to work on. Yeah. But as you said, that that 1949, um, that's really the reason that I've done almost anything on this path was because I did not, I did not want to be this like crazy woman talking about the animals that are sending me messages i wanted to be normal i wanted to be respected um and then yet they it's like these messages kept coming that were telling me what was going to happen before it was happening so consistently so accurately over and over and over that like you're you're eventually your mind has to give in and listen to what it asks you to do yeah and even like in the process of writing the um the uh animal totems in the I Ching where I had paired at each gate uh, or hexagram or gene key with a analogous uh, animal totem that has a similar archetypal meaning or message the day I finished writing that book and this has only happened to me a few times I something wakes me up out of bed and I launch out of my house and I run into the woods to find whatever's pulling me and I went down to the river and there's a dead cormorant mm. by the river, which is the It's commitment. Mm. And it was like the message, as soon as you find it, the message is right there. And it was like, you need to double down on your commitment to this work because and you're not devotion. done. You think you're done right now. You need to take a few months to double down on your commitment to what you're creating. And then the day that I actually did publish and launch the book and put it for sale, the, the cormorant flies by. Uh, that morning and it was like the the messages are just so so uncannily Mm.
0: accurate over and over and over again over and over like I oh my god it just makes me think of this big trip we did here you know like we sold everything within six weeks and moved to a remote island in the middle of the Atlantic and it scared everything out of us and when we left where we were there were crows okay and the crows have followed us they are still here they hang. They're often around, but it's this death, transformation, and rebirth. Like I just can feel like there's things changing and something birth, something beautiful being birthed. Even though I have no friggin' idea, you know, like what it is, I'm starting to get a little tinge of what that might be. But like the animal totems, I can't wait to share. You know, your books and stuff with people because I think you have such a beautiful way of explaining the energy, especially in attachment with like <clears throat> the symbolisms and all the things, you know, attached to human design, attached to I Ching, attached to the gene keys, like all of it. It's just like, it's mind-blowingly overwhelming. <laughs> so <laughs> tread lightly, my friends, and, and pull pieces where it feels good. Plug into people that feel really good. Is there one last thing you would like to share with the audience before we close out this beautiful podcast today?
1: Just that it's... Whatever wants to come out in your creative energy is perfectly okay, even when there's no energy and that that's just as much okay. That's probably actually the most important part and that it's really fine when that happens. I think that that's, it's a good takeaway even for me to remember that, um, that that will repeatedly happen if you're a creative type and, uh, um, you know, your creative energy is feminine. You know, it's a galvanized combination of feminine and masculine, but it's very feminine. And the more you let the feminine do whatever the hell it wants, the better time you're going to have. And if it doesn't want to be doing anything, let it do it. If it wants to be forcing you out of the closet of whatever thing that you're into or want to be expressing, let it force you out of that closet. Because it is every time you create something, it's like coming out of the closet.
0: You know? <laughs> Literally.
1: Yeah, it's terrifying. Um
0: And the more you let it... The more you're going to have an amazing time in your life permission granted to just (laughs) you know be you be weird it's like the greatest gift you know everyone else is taken so you might as well be yourself
1: and they say that uh, the more you the less you try to fit in is the actual antidote to loneliness Mm. loneliness is not disconnection from other people it's disconnection from yourself which is most deeply propagated from trying to fit in so the less you try to fit in the, the more you will combat any form of loneliness within yourself
0: oh that is that. so powerful yeah. yeah i love that
1: so oh. there's one other thing that um i think is a really important aspect in being a business woman, really a business anyone, but I, I really see this mentality in women is that so often when someone starts a business, they want it to start going 100 miles an hour immediately. You know, we need to have a million dollars funding. We need to be getting up thousands of card decks or products or, or you know, workshops a month and be making tons and tons of money. And it just has to be this like really fast start And that always sets off the most unbelievable alarm bells in my head. Like it's such a red flag because it is not healthy to start anything going 100 miles an hour. Mm. And this was actually, you know, some of some of my most, um, you know, scary business engagements as an artist where, you know, somebody comes to me and says, I want you to work with me. Uh, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna like start everything immediately and we're we're gonna need to have all this money invested. And it felt incredibly unstable mm-hmm. because if you're starting that quick, you're not giving your product, your company, what you're offering any time to get its feet and figure out, does anyone even want this? Right. Do I need to critique it? Do I need to review it and revise it? It's not organic. And if you're starting something inorganically, you're giving it a bad start, you know? And again, it comes back to being a mother to your work is you want to let it be very calm in the beginning. Start with just a little bit, move slowly. Don't make tons of money immediately. Don't have tons of product immediately. Just but If start. it happens, enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> it can happen. And I think some people are really expert in making that happen, but there is this mentality of, you know if you want to start something it has to be all or nothing yeah and this is so this is what i did i you know started with one product and i didn't make it have to be you know making tons pressure. of
0: sales. the pressure yeah. on it yeah there was and, no pressure
1: and, and as things built they were stable and they and the slow progress is stable and it feels much better to do it that way and so Um, That's a big encouragement that I would give anyone who's trying to start something with a creative business. Is as especially as a woman, um, starting things slowly is one of your best assets.
0: Um, It gives you time to make mistakes too. Like it gives you time to like do those lives and look like a fool and like get your footing and get your ability to communicate down before like the wheels come off the bus. Because if it takes off too quick. It's like, you've got, you've jumped into the frying pan, you know, like, and you're, you're in the fire frying pan. And now, like, if you, you're in the fire and the yeah. wheels are off the bus, if it gets moving way too quickly.
1: And if you feel, if you have so much money overhead, that's been invested into a project and it's all hinging on this one thing going right, that it's going to fall. Like, mm. it's, it's probably going to fall over. So when people say, I want to start a business, I want to start something, but I have to invest tons of money to start. Don't, 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 you don't, you don't. You do not have to do that. You can start with
0: nothing. This is that boys club. This is that analogy, that boys club analogy. Like you've got to spend money to make money. And I have fallen so deadly into that trap and have spent stupid amounts of money on shit that was not worth doing that with. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. I totally think
1: everybody should start their business with like nothing, with Mm no, almost zero money invested. If you can- do it with, you know, like if you need to record videos, don't buy all that equipment, do it on your phone. phone. Like yeah. wait until things grow stably to start investing. Yeah. And I, I, it's like, it really gives, you give yourself this incredible head start. As they say that, this is actually came from the gene piece, um, the 53rd hexagram, which is all about beginning things.
0: Mm. And
1: as you begin, you need to make sure your arrow is straight and it's pointed exactly right and you need to look at all the equations of where you're pointing this arrow this goal and if it's crooked and you give yourself a bad start you won't get to the finish line and so when you're starting something you don't your the straight arrow is not having all the equipment the straight arrow is what you bring through the
0: quality of what you're creating so you really don't need anything fancy and knowing to where you're going line. That's it's a problem. big one. It's like making a decision and a choice. This is where I'm, you know, because it's easy to get off track and target when you don't have that focus. Yeah. And it's you have true. it all. Like it's the essence of what you're bringing to the table
1: doesn't require money. No. It, it'll help later on. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not. Your vibe, your vibe oh, man. It's so your vibe. yeah, that's, that's a big piece of advice. It's just oh. let it be a slow start with, low capital input into it
0: and high quality energy and creativity okay so did you love her as much as i did i know you did i know there was so many points that just kind of took your mind to another planet and that is what happens in the energy of these beautiful creator conversations so to close out today i just wanted to share something really exciting and special that I've been working on behind the scenes and that is now finally ready. So Unbounded Success is about you really going into yourself and reconnecting to the part of you that's been so successful somewhere in the past where you've been proud of yourself and you kind of gave yourself a pat on the back. There was a feeling that immersed in that moment. It kind of infectiously fills the body. So Unbounded Success takes you deep. It's a mini course that i put together. Easy peasy. There's a beautiful meditation. There's some wonderful journal prompts. There's just ways to anchor this unique feeling that is your success frequency in you. So that it's come to the forefront and now you have a new understanding, a new awareness of what success feels like for you and your body. This is, I can't even, it is such a magical experience and I've been working with this subtly with clients and now I'm ready to bring it to the world. So below are all the details for you to grab this mini course for free. That's right, right now it's just complimentary because I want as many beautiful souls to experience this as possible and share with me your experience. I need to know how this is working for you. So that is it. It is below. Again, thank you so much for being here with us today. And I really hope you plug in with Brynia too, because I know she has a lot to offer all of us with her insights and inspirations and information. Everyone, please remember, you are literally one creation away from changing your life, changing your money, changing your situation. So please don't stop, keep creating, and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care, everyone.